And we are, come on, live. Oh, Gentlemen, yeah. Mike, Ricky, hello. Hello. This is amazing. This is really cool. I have to shout out before we even like get into this, how legit this setup is. It looks amazing. Thank you. I'm stoked yeah. to be on with you, Brent. Cute. Yeah, I'm stoked <laughs> you're here in the roastery with us, man. Yeah, it's sick. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. I flew out right after my news video at 10 a.m. and got there. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, where are you guys at? We are in Longmont, Colorado, right at the base of the Rocky Mountains. And you're in what, like where specifically? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we're in Traction Coffee Roasters headquarters. Behind us is the roaster. Um, this is where Ricky makes all the magic happen and roasts up all the beans. And yeah, anybody that's drank our coffee, it's all come out of this machine right here. Too cool. It looks awesome. Like, it's super interesting of a background to look at. Yeah, it looks like an old, like, uh, train or something, right? Yeah, yeah, like steampunk vibes. Yeah, totally. That's rad. So, before we get too far into it, too... I feel like for anybody who doesn't know, I should introduce who I'm talking to, starting with you, Mike. You are Mike, is it Murfit? Is that how yep. you say it? Mike Murfit Traction Coffee. Can you give me a little background on you? Yeah, I've been riding BMX since I was, I guess, 12 years old. So for 18 years of my life now, grew up racing BMX and uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it ever since and now obviously ride skate parks and dirt jumps and we're in the mecca of skate parks out here in Colorado, so many good concrete parks. And then a few years ago, I guess more than a few, eight years ago now, I got into coffee. I ran a coffee company for my friend over at Oscar Blues Brewery. If you guys aren't familiar with who they are, they make Dale's Pale Ale. And ran that coffee company for about three years. And then five years ago this October, we started Traction Coffee Roasters. So. Years. Nice. Yeah. Crazy, man. It's crazy saying that number out loud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, later, I want to talk about if there's like a, a hump of time you felt like you had to get over. Like, is there a time period where you're like, okay, whew, we're here? Oh, there certainly is. I'm excited to get into that. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But now for Ricky, mother effing Augen Ball. Nobody who's watching this probably knows this unless you watched like the videos from when Ricky was in Ohio. But Ricky. And I grew up riding together. He's one of my like childhood heroes. Who, when oh. when you would show up to the skate park, you'd put your headphones in, you do your stretch, and then you'd ride and you do ice picks, and then foof in the back rail. Like you, legitimately influence like who I am as a rider. So the fact that we're here and you're part of traction and we're doing all this, I am excited. Likewise, man. That that means the world to me. So uh, yeah, it's it's crazy that we grew up together and sessioning. Worcester Skate Park together over the years, and it's what's brought us back to the table today. So, yeah, man, forever thankful for bikes. Seriously. How wild is that, though? Like, literally grew up riding in this small town in Ohio, and now here we are talking to each other. You're in freaking Colorado and a coffee company, and yeah, it's too cool. Some collision of really cool worlds, man. And I love the description of Ricky showing up, putting his headphones in, and stretching because he still does that. <laughs> That's just all I remember. Yeah, I just remember him showing up. Like he'd put his headphones in, and then I'd see him like this. And I'd see him like this, and then he'd go around and he'd three the spine, and 
do some ice picks and fruit news and oh it's just good memories yeah. not much has changed man that's still the that's still the line whenever i come back home <laughs> right it's amazing that that's even possible and if you didn't know they fixed all of the messed up surface at the park so now all of the holes and cracks and everything are fixed that's sick. Is that the like Woodward Ramp skate park? The yeah. one, yes. So the skate park I grew up riding is in Johnstown, Colorado, and it's the same exact ramps. Nice. Different layout, but same exact ramps. So I took Ricky up there, and he was like, no way, dude. This is <laughs> what I grew up riding. Same kind of ramps, same back rails, all that. Yes. They're all the same. And, yeah, I mean, Worcester Park is like the best layout of a small one of those that I've ever ridden. But, yeah. So... Ricky, I don't know. Do you have any more background beyond what I gave? Because we are uh, talking. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, well, like you said, you know, we grew up riding bikes together, and that's still still relevant for me. Bikes are life, and uh, I mean, that's really what the draw into traction was. Uh, Mike and I became friends, bumping into each other at the skate park, finding out about our mutual, uh, you know, interest in coffee and dabbling in the world of coffee. Um, and yeah, I've always looked up to them building a coffee company around BMX and just catering to the BMX scene. So uh, it's very recent that I've gotten into the mix with them, but it's a huge deal to me because it's just an awesome <laughs> collaborative effort of all our shared interests. So it's, yeah, man, Stoke is alive and we're pushing through and making some uh, some big moves with traction. So it's exciting. And I mean, the goal is to roast coffee, have fun, ride bikes with our friends and just have a good time. Hell yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what we're after. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when you first moved out to Colorado. Did you, am I remembering right in that you like went out there for some coffee related things or something? I just, uh, man, it was time to leave, time to leave Ohio. I went outside on scene and just kind of fell into the scene. Um, yeah, I, I, I literally fell into coffee and just kind of worked my way up, learning what I could in different departments and you know, 12 years later of being in coffee and several different coffee companies working on different machines, different departments, uh, it's taught me a lot and given me enough to kind of run with. So it's awesome to get to apply it, uh, to traction coffee now and, you know, really just run with the ball. It's, uh, it's an amazing operation that Mike's built and I'm so stoked to be able to plug in and yeah, offer some of my expertise on the roasting side and just see what next level we can take this to. Nice. I mean, I'm curious to learn more about traction too, just because I'll be totally upfront. I know nothing about coffee. Like not even, I've, uh, this is real. I'm not even joking with you. I've never even had a sip of coffee in my life. You gotta change that. No, I'm serious. I, I've never have, I just, I, it never appealed to me. My parents didn't drink coffee. So it was like, I just never had a reason and was never like, oh, I'll try it. Like, why not? It was just, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people out there, though, that are in that same boat where, like, I'll talk to them and they're like, yeah, I just have never drank it. And I'm like, okay, interesting. But, I mean, I didn't really drink coffee myself until I was, like, 23, 24. So, yeah, yeah it can happen at any point in time. Right. Yeah. So, I guess about Traction itself. I mean, I first heard about Traction when you guys were doing stuff with the Our BMX podcast, just when that got brought up, I didn't realize it had been around for years before that. And then I'm clicking through YouTube channels like you guys have a whole podcast series where you got all these people, you know, I saw the Troy McMurray, I think Chase Hawk 
had one too. I saw those and I was like, oh, cool. They did podcasts with BMX guys. I didn't realize how like the f- extent of things. So like, I guess what is the scope of traction everything you guys are currently doing? Yeah. I mean, we definitely have our hand in a little bit of everything. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I always say I'm like too excited about too many things. So coffee is like the big thing for us, obviously, because we are a coffee business. Um, we're primarily direct to consumer right now. Um, but we do do some local wholesale and we sell stuff to people here in the community. Um, but businesses all around the country, we can sell coffee to. And we actually just yesterday ordered a bigger one of these guys so we can increase our capacity because at this point in time, we're roasting more than anybody else ever has on this little roaster, which is really um, and then, yeah, we started the podcast that was last April. So a little over a year ago now. And that was really kind of just started because so many people had reached out to us, whether it be over social media or in person, just saying like, man, what you guys are doing is so cool. I wish I could do something like that. And we're always very vulnerable and transparent about how we've built the business. So I think a lot of people you know, get excited about that. And so we I started, you know, thinking, I'm like, well, we're not special. Nobody who creates or starts a business is really that special. So why don't we create a podcast that outlines how people have become successful in their field, whether it be being a professional athlete or a business owner or an artist or any of those type of things, because in reality, the story is kind of the same every single time. And it's just, if you show up and you work really hard and it's kind of masochistic, but if you do it and you do all the right things, like you're going to create your own luck and you are going to become, you know, quote unquote successful. So, yeah, that's where Scared of Normal came from, just being scared of the normal lifestyle and kind of getting away from like the societal things that are built into us thinking that we have to go work a nine to five job. We have to go to school or whatever it might be to be successful. So, yeah. Nice. That is absolutely true. And when you highlight the fact that like at its core, all of those stories are pretty much the same story, just mm-hmm. different steps, different people, different things that are the focus of it. But it's it's really is true that like when you talk to those people, those stories are mostly the same and where it's like there was no other option. There never was. There was never going to be a normal. It was just this is the thing and I'm going to do it until it becomes everything totally and we it's funny you say it like that because we actually when we were thinking of the name scared of normal we also thought about like no plan b because Mm. that was our big thing when we started traction five years ago was like well if we have a plan b if we have that fallback plan like this will never work so we have to go all in and we can't be thinking peripherally of like okay well if this doesn't work what if it's like there know what if this is going to work so same thing with all those stories everybody kind of tells it exactly the same way and like the stories of how much failure goes into success and everything along those lines it's it's pretty profound when you hear it from people who have done it and it's it's cool that is really cool so five years ricky you've been out there for longer than five years what do you remember of like the first starts of traction if you even saw it yeah no i love that question um when i first heard about like a bmx mountain bike based coffee roastery i was just like are you kidding me like that is that's the dream right there like roast coffee then run out with your buds to the mountains or to the you know skate parks in the hills and have a good time so uh 
Yeah, I finally met Mike in person at a BMX event that a friend was throwing at Boulder Skate Park a couple years back. Um, and it was just, it, it was awesome. Finally getting to meet Mike, put a face to the name and learn more about Traction Traction Coffee. I mean, and uh, yeah, really humble roots. So I've really admired their come up. Um, and uh, I mean, once we met, we just became friends. I mean, running the skate parks, camping, just doing fun stuff on the side. And when the opportunity to finally really plug in with Traction came up, um, yeah, we we jumped on it. Um, just honored to be pulled into the mix and working alongside Mike. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just it's it's the dream job in my mind, like getting to put your passion into something under this roof with coffee, but then also getting to express that passion elsewhere on the bike with friends. And it's all so genuine. So I just yeah, I got to pinch myself sometimes because it is such a Same. such an ideal setup of like getting to hang out with my favorite people, getting to do some good in the world, getting to support other people through collaborations and just hanging out with awesome people. And yeah, and then coming coming together at the end of the day to just ride bikes and smile and laugh and then do it all again the next day. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about it that way, it's like you're never really working, even though you're working, you know, you are and it, it can be really hard work and you'll yeah. call it work. But at the end of the day, you never really feel like it's work. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's a great sign right there. And uh, I mean, it's just it's an interesting situation now with uh, this transition I've kind of been coming out of and then working into traction. But it's, uh, it's definitely a labor of love right now. And it's it's very re rewarding in that sense, even if not with other benefits or other offerings that I've received from other gigs. But it's yeah, I'm working with incredible people and. I mean, we are accountable for our actions. We are pushing forward. We are, we're moving the needle on our own. It's, there's no cleanup crew. There's no other, you know, uh, the B team coming in yeah. to, to do what we didn't do. So it's, we're currently a two man show. Yeah. What you see is what you get. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> and up until Ricky came on board about a, what, a month and a half ago now, it was primarily just me for the last like almost year and a half. So it's like, which yeah, ha having crazy. Ricky is just like the biggest blessing. And yeah, <laughs> it's funny, you know, asking him like what his like perception of traction was from the beginning. I remember we were probably six months old and I got a message from Ricky on Instagram and he was just like, hey, like I'm working at this other coffee company, but I'd love to meet you. I love what you guys are doing. And it's funny, like I was just thinking I need to look for that message the other day because I was like, that'd be cool to like dig up and just like yeah, revisit that, that conversation. Like that. Huh. Yeah, super cool. So. That is super cool. And I guess talking about, you know, two man job and then it was just you, maybe this is the time where it makes sense to give me the context of like what that really means. Because like I said, I know nothing about coffee. So like, what is it that Traction is doing? Like you, you have a product that you're putting out there to people, but like, how do you get to that product? What do you guys do? Yeah. So, I mean, it really starts with like sourcing great coffee and I'll, I guess I can let Ricky talk to this cause this yeah, is really sure. his expertise. Um, I mean, again, Mike's done so much over the years to build traction up to what it is and, and those that came before as well. Um, but yeah, Mike's plugged in with some awesome importers and we do get some incredible green coffee, which is the raw product that we then roast. You guys, I should probably just like get a handful cause most people have probably never seen green coffee either. So coffee and yeah, it's like gonna... roasted state. So I'll grab a handful and show the camera real quick. Okay. Cool. 
Um, so yeah, we, and we were at the roastery, so we got bags of green just laying around. So this will be cool. But um, yeah, so we we don't we're not big enough that we're importing our own green coffee on our own, but we go through importers and we get, you know, tons of coffee. Here's Mike with some uh, some of the green beans um, coming up to the camera, but they're little uh, cherry seeds. So every single hand-picked cherry has two seeds in there and that's your coffee bean huh. uh, yeah it's not really a bean it's a seed uh but anyways yeah so we get this raw product here we've got our, our little uh six pound roaster and coffee's an incredible craft where i mean each bean is different they come from different origins all around the world they have different terroir or you know nuances from the region that we are doing our best to persuade out of that bean with certain recipes or roast approaches so it is it's a very scientific, analytical craft approach to to bringing out this this coffee nuance that we want to share with the world. So it's um, yeah, it's a fun process, and we're we're literally just these coffees aren't going to be any better than they are already. So we are just bringing out the flavors and the nuances that we want to showcase to people. Um, so that that's the roasting side, but that really is just just a small piece of the pie, considering all. Everything yeah. else that Mike does, you know, marketing and collaborations and just, yeah, making it happen. So I'm going to pass the baton off to him. Yeah, well, I'm curious. So one, everything you said sounds like this is an art more than it is anything else because oh, absolutely. You're, you're taking this thing and you're being an artist and using that green coffee seed, I guess, <laughs> to as your paintbrush and your canvas is like the the cup and the final result yeah anyways enough of that no i, that's, I love that's the picture you're painting. yeah man <laughs> well, awesome man <laughs> but i'm so so you get you import that what's sitting right in front of you yep. then what so yeah it goes into the roaster here um and then we package it up and that's where you know we go into like working on how how can we sell this coffee yeah uh, and our whole thing is been like let's be as grassroots as possible because to be fully transparent, and this is something we've talked about a lot in the, on our podcast or on our Instagram, it's like we have self-funded this project from the very beginning. We've never borrowed money from anybody. We don't have any loans. We have no debt through the company. So that means that we have to be very vigilant. So um, we've really obviously sunk our teeth into the thing that we know best, which is BMX. Yeah. Um, so we really leverage like you know all of our really awesome friends in BMX and awesome connections in BMX and like use that to like really get the traction brand out there. And it's really cool because as much coffee as we sell to people who ride BMX or in the mountain bike world, we sell coffee to people who have no affiliation with bikes. And I think that's a really cool thing when we're selling our collaborative coffees from um, like shadow or with burn slow or whoever to like a soccer mom, like there's right. a shop on the street from here. That's like, they sell like retail. It's like a gift store. And you walk in there any given time and there's like a fast and loose bag on the shelf and like a shadow bag on the shelf. And like nobody who rides BMX steps in that store, but they're picking up and those are the best selling coffees. So it's so cool to me to like be able to take something that we are all so passionate about and then put it in the hands of somebody who might not know what BMX is at all. So this is my marketing brain just turning here because I've seen, you know, Rothrock does BMX something I don't, i'm not exactly sure what they do with their but it's bicycle related people doing coffee it's yep. obviously rad share does anybody like for that soccer mom does anybody 
do anything that connects like if it's burn slow it beyond seeing a burn slow logo or any words that are on the bag is does anybody do anything to like show that soccer mom what they're actually like supporting in the BMX world that's a good question i would assume like somebody like rothrock because they have a coffee shop they're able to see like i don't know i've never been there but i would assume if they have like tvs or anything that like they can see like the BMX brands playing yeah 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 that's kind of like our vision long term is we would really love to have a cafe space where people can come in and experience the brand for what it is. And with that being in mind, like we would love to have like the gnarly grungy BMX dude sitting there next to the soccer mom while like the coolest BMX video or skate video is playing on the TV and really connect those worlds that just don't seem to mesh well. Yeah. So, so where my brain goes, like, yeah, these things all exist. And then like the bloom did their blend of coffee with, with whoever they did it with. But like, what if there was a way on the bag where you have like scan this QR code to see what this actually means. And then you do it and it brings up a page on a website where it's like, check out what burn slow is. They make these clothes and they're kind of a like super core BMX thing that's really all about supporting BMX riders. And this is how the story of Burn Slow getting involved with traction. And then you weave all these things together that makes it this thing that like eventually makes that soccer mom go, oh, I know what I'm supporting even more than just how good this tastes. I actually am going to take a mental note of that right now because we do put back labels on all of our bags. So I think that that would be a beautiful way to connect these collaborations because we do want to operate as like a net benefit to everybody in the system, whether it be the BMX industry or the soccer mom or whoever's consuming the coffee. Like we want traction to be a net benefit to everybody who is part of what we call the traction family. Yeah. So imagine that the the soccer mom ends up like buying burn slow clothes for her kid or or the shadow blend they end up like right their kid ends up getting a sabrosa because there's a connection of like hey you got this coffee they also make bikes and parts and then if you go to your local bike shop there's a chance that there's going to be a complete bike in there of this and if your kid rides a bike like just that so connect all the wires. yeah i mean that is really a big thing that we've really aimed to focus on here with traction Um, And this just comes from like my past life at different companies. But like I really wanted to like, you know, everybody talks about collaboration and community, but I really wanted to like cement ourselves in that and like make it as genuine and as authentic as possible. And those two words always drive me crazy because in this world that we live so buzzwordy, but that's really what we want. We really want it to be genuine. And like we're not going to do a collaboration with somebody that we're not like that we don't see eye to eye with, you know, we want it to be again, a net benefit to everybody. So being able to highlight everybody a step further and hopefully connect some wires that may not get connected by doing that label on the back that connects to a web page or something, I think is that's brilliant. So thank you for that. Yeah, it definitely falls in line too. everything uh, that I've seen from traction over the years is it's that slow and steady approach, you know, very organic, very, very real and, and genuine to the brand. Um, but it's been really cool to see the collaborations over the years that have, I mean, just stayed afloat or just, you know, built that initial connection with someone else. And, um, yeah, I really feel like that's what's what traction is about. Even this, this podcast right now, or this, uh, you know, this session, it's just some cross pollination with, with you, Brant, which is really awesome. I mean, that's, 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's literally like I saw that you were working with them and then the message that you sent me about traction and I'm like immediately like, well, how can I help? I just want to get in there and like do something. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I'm going to figure it out, but I'm going to try and help because it's like everything that what is it? The rising tide floats all boats. It's yep. it's that that saying of just like, yeah, I, I don't know anything about coffee, but I've I have this thing that I can use to help my friend in this cool company he's working with. And so here we are now. Dude, yeah, that, that echoes Mike so well. I mean, you even say that phrase yeah. all the time here, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know the outcome. We didn't know what a benefit if there was one of this, but it's just like, yeah, let's, let's see how we can help each other out. That's the idea uh, behind traction. I, I feel like that's built into the company so well that even, uh, it doesn't have to be profit focused or next step focused for the brand. It's just like, oh, that sounds cool. Let's talk with them. Or is there something we can build together or how can we build each other up? And then, you know, again, rising tide raises all ships. So it's it's really that mentality, which, uh, yeah, it's 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 ingrained in us, which is beautiful. It's not something we have to fake or, you know, turn on for someone that meets us on that level. It's it's just it's there. It's brought into every approach and every step that we're taking. So. Well, I love the fact that you Brant, touched on like not knowing anything about coffee because that's something we talk about here a lot too. It's like just because we don't know something doesn't mean that we can't respect it or that we can't like clap for people, you know, like that's what, you know, community is about is like lifting others up, even if what they do is not something that you're excited about. You know what I mean? I think that that's a really, that that is to me the true essence of community is like focusing on other people and even if they're doing stuff that doesn't get you excited them doing something that gets them excited that they're passionate about should get you excited you know yeah and man it's such a just going back to like the whole thing of trying to connect the the people outside of bmx who are buying this stuff with bmx even more it's like this that that whole concept is like the most organic way that it could be done where if you think about like how would some random person become a fan of BMX without any intention of ever actually riding BMX? And, totally. and you think about that and you're like, how would that even happen? You know, cause most of the time it's like, Oh yeah, they bought a bike and they saw it on TV with X games or whatever. But I feel like stuff like this can create real fans of bmx without anyone ever actually having to ride to where it's like this kid just is stoked to walk he he follows his favorite rider from whatever brand because he found out about it through coffee and i think that's i don't know it's like pure yeah well yeah you can consume it differently than you be kind of it being shoved down your throat like going to the skate park or whatever and like a cool example of exactly what you're talking about is Last year we started doing like we've done events from the beginning attraction, but last year we really invested a lot of the time and money into an, events. And the first one we did last year was with Burn Slow. They came through Colorado on a trip. Mm. Uh, we did an event at Boulder Skate Park, and there was probably two hundred and fifty ish people there. Jeez. There, I like, think we shared it on traction social media pretty heavily through our newsletter, and there was a large number of people there that don't ride BMX, like people that just buy coffee from us. And that was a cool thing to see, like making people know like, hey, you don't have to ride bikes for this to be fun. This come check out this community and like feel the energy that's going on here. And the people who came out like it was very special. And then we did one the next month with Fast and Loose 
And same thing, like a ton of people who don't ride BMX showed up to Sandstone Skate Park. And then that prompted us into doing like weekly dirt jump jams at Valmont Bike Park here in Boulder. And so that grew from, it started out as like 10 people every week and it ended up being nearly like 75 to 100 people at the end of it. And like, wow. like there was people, like we had posted every week, there'd be people at the fence line that don't ride BMX or sitting in the bleachers just like watching people ride because we were like, come hang out, like we'll give free water, free beer, free coffee, like, and it was just, it turned into like, again, a family community based event. And then not everybody there rode BMX and that's special. How cool is that? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Cause it works backwards too. Uh, not only bringing like outsiders into the BMX scene, but bringing, you know, maybe non coffee folk, like so many people drink coffee. Some people don't care what it is. They just want it. And if it's coming from a BMX group, they're even more stoked on it. But as we're elevating the coffee program here and we're sourcing better coffee, we're, we're profiling better roasts, uh, we're turning some of these, you know, grungy BMX dudes into coffee snobs, which is awesome. You know? It is really cool. And to it's see just, that it's happen. nice to see that, that kind of back and forth, you know, coffee people hearing about traction and trying some coffee and then learning about the BMX, uh, relevance of it all. And then, you know, the, the backwards scope on it too. people just supporting traction because it's a bunch of, you know, homies in the area roasting coffee and then realizing like, oh man, like I'm starting to, starting to learn some stuff about coffee. And, uh, I mean, I can go down several rabbit holes of, you know, why coffee has, um, you know, it's roots in me as deep as it does, but it's, uh, it's really nice to just be cross pollinating again and, and bringing that, that approach to coffee to people that otherwise would have no idea about it or, you know, the, the ethical approach to sourcing coffee or the very craft approach to roasting it. Um, so it's, it's really cool to kind of teach in a two way direction and just bring people in and it's traction is so inclusive, so welcoming. I mean, it's, that's, what's fun about the jams is you get all kinds of people showing up. I mean, kids that aren't even old enough to ride a bike yet all the way up to grandparents and just, you know, kids in the BMX scene, pros coming out, you know, just people wandering by and being like, what the heck's going on at Boulder skate park? Let me stop and hang out for a minute. So it's, it's really cool to just have this, uh, it's just like an epicenter of Stoke, yeah. you know, we're just kind of like, and we're not, we're not, uh, we're not dismissing any of it. We want, we want to add to it, you know, bring people in the mix, whether they're stoked on their own thing. And, uh, I mean, that's, what's really cool about the scared of normal podcasts and my kid on it. It's just covers just a plethora of different lifestyles and, you know, just, just approaches to doing something different out of the ordinary. Well, and I want to like riff on something he said about like the, you know, the inclusivity like with BMX or like with traction and something that I've noticed a long time ago, like with coffee is it's very similar to BMX in the way that anybody's kind of welcome. And it's, it feels like I've always looked at BMX as a thing of like, this is the land of misfit toys all coming together to play. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's beautiful, man. It's yeah. the most cool thing that I've ever experienced. And I've seen that in coffee a lot in recent years where like the people who, you know, there's BMX guys getting into coffee. There's huge musicians. Like I have friends from the band Under Oath and the band Bayside. Like they both own coffee companies. <laughs> uh, like Tony Hawk's son, Riley Hawk, owns a coffee company. So wow. it's like these alternative lifestyles are all gravitating towards coffee because coffee is very similar in the way of like it is kind of the land of misfit toys. And like it's cool to see like all this like overlap because it is so synonymous. So so interesting and one thing i keep thinking of when you guys are talking just now too is that it's like it's a it's one of those products and things that if you drink coffee you drink coffee and if you're a bmx rider 
like why would you not buy the BMX coffee versus some other random thing and and that elevates the sense of community even more in that you just you kind of like I'm sure take pride in buying that thing you're like oh this this is BMX I'm going to buy this even though it, it at its core it's coffee but it's still yeah. BMX at the same time well, and on the other side of that, too, like when I know BMX guys are buying coffee from us, like it's such a special feeling because like you spending hard earned money is a very special thing. Right. Like, I recognize that every single time I see an order come through on our website, like especially when it's like new names. Right. I'm like it gives me chills just talking about it because I'm like, I know like how hard it is to earn a dollar. Like it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So like you spend your money with us like, and then we can pour that back into the BMX world or, you know, donate to charities or whatever it is. Like, I mean, we've done all these events, we've donated to charities and like up until this last year, like we've never even paid ourselves through this business. So like, that's how much we love BMX and like being able to like give back to the community. It's like, we're, we're prioritizing that over like putting money in our. That's amazing. So I want to take it back to coffee. With that roaster behind you. So you're saying how the next step after you get that is that you put it in the roaster. I don't know what that means. What's happening? Like, don't don't give away secrets or anything yeah. like that. But just like educate me on what is actually happening. And like are, when you put that in there, are you putting other stuff in there too? Maybe not say what it is, but like just w- w- what are you doing? All yeah. great questions, really. Yeah. No, and it's it's funny. You don't you don't know what you don't know, and it's uh, yeah. I remember being so oblivious to the coffee scene before I got into it. It was just a cup of brown liquid. Mm-hmm. My mind was blown when I learned it's a it's a seed of a hand picked cherry. You know, every specialty coffee is is hand picked. So just that blew my mind. Um, but yeah, we we weigh out the proper batch size of green. Uh, we load it into a top hopper this of our drum roaster. And um, roasting is essentially manipulation of heat application and airflow. So we drop our beans into the roaster. When we have our parameters set for the the start of the roast, um, we also have the computer wired in with probes. So we're getting real time analytics drawn out in a real time graph. You know, time and temp, rate of rise, um, and it's literally like a recipe card. Every roast, every coffee has a specific profile that I get to dial in and. Uh, it's based on time and temp, mm. heat application and heat removal. Um, so give or take, uh, you know, between 10 and 15 minutes. I mean, that's a broad span of roast times. But um, yeah, about 10 to 15 minutes in the roaster doing different heat applications and manipulations to the roast. We hit parameters that we're shooting for and then we discharge it out of the roaster into the cooling tray. So it's it's a very fast process. There's no... Um, you're at the mercy of thermal energy, essentially. It's, um, and I'm going to try not to go into too much. Uh, you can go as deep as you need to. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> we don't have enough time for that. But um, <laughs> We got plenty of time. I think something to note, too, like for people who are wondering like what the process looks like inside of, like this is a drum here. So if mm-hmm. you've ever seen like chilies roasting like at a fair or something, like where there's heat underneath and there's a drum spinning. Yeah. So, Coffee's uh, like spinning in this drum and there's burners underneath that like Ricky's getting to control with a, a lever gotcha. uh, so we determine how much gas is coming through and how hot the flame is. Um, so that's like what's going on in this drum during that roasting process. Is there any, is, is it just the, the seed in there? Is there water? Like is, oh. 
we don't there's there's a water content to the seed so it's it roasting is literally just harmonizing with the product the coffee your environment and the roaster and then trying to hit parameters that you're shooting for because you could just turn a green coffee brown and it's it's edible you can grind it you can drink it but it's um that's the fun thing about specialty coffee you start dialing in flavor profiles and you know certain bodies in a cup or acidities and uh you know nuances that you're hoping to bring out so that's what the roast is it's just kind of like cracking a puzzle it's uh it's a fun process of getting a new coffee and finding what it has to offer and then bringing it out through the roasting um so yeah again it's like a 15 minute process of getting to spin around in the drum with heat being applied um and then when we hit the goals we're shooting for we drop it into the coin tray where it cools and then uh send it off to be packaged and then get it to all the people that were placing orders <laughs> and i think too like something to note like your question's great like there's nothing else going into the drum or you know if there's any additives and like when you read a coffee bag it has so many different flavor notes on there right and those are notes that are coming from just the raw seed itself and that that can change just depending on how the coffee's processed at the farm at the origin of wherever it comes from so like this is a colombian coffee here and it's a wash process so it's inherently going to be a little more chocolatey and uh, earthy so to speak i'm learning <laughs> yeah. it's it's an amazing industry and it, uh, something else that blows my mind is it's uh second only to oil in international commodity exchange so it's i mean you got to think it's uh i look at it look at it as it's got you know enormous potential for change um it's dormant potential i mean that's that's what's cool about small guys like us we're hoping to grow to create more significant change at origin as well as in our local community and all the spots in between. So it's, it is a, it's just, it's an incredible worldly product. I mean, you know, we've got stuff from Ethiopia, Brazil, Colombia, Honduras sitting right in front of us right now. And that's just, uh, it's amazing logistically, even thinking of all that stuff getting here and having it under our roof. So it's, it's bizarre it, when yeah. you really <laughs> think about like where it's all this crazy. comes from. And when you mm -hmm. think like, you know, a human touched every single one of these, multiple humans touched this, like humans are carrying this off a mountain. Like, yeah, wow. like when people say like coffee's bad or something like, oh, that's a bad coffee. I'm like, oh, I just want to like ring people by the neck because it really is like, do you understand like what what went into you being able to say like, oh, that coffee sucks? Yeah, like it's, wow. it's pretty heavy, dude. So much goes in even before it gets to yeah the roastery here. So it's uh, that's another responsibility I feel as a roaster to really do our best job to bring out you know all the beauty in this coffee because so much work went into it leading up to us and it's just we're we're kind of the last piece of that supply loop you know getting to do what we want with the coffee and offer it to a consumer I mean that is literally the last leg of the journey aside from maybe one day Mike and I going down to origin with a bag of finished coffee and being like hey check this out like this this you is your coffee this, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it a very rich connection i mean it's just touches a lot of hands a lot of hearts along the way and it's uh yeah it's a privilege to get to work with it on this side of the spectrum in the specialty arena of coffee man that goes deep uh oh, yeah. <laughs> connor kennedy in the chat says literally drinking a cup of the honduras roast from you guys oh that's sick. oh yeah what's yeah. up connor <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, man. dude he's uh he lives up here in loveland actually just north of us a little bit so that's yeah. too cool. Thanks yeah. for grabbing a bag, dude. How wild. So, Ricky, you have me curious, too. Uh, what is a coffee snob? 
Oh man, it's uh, <laughs> I don't mean it to have a negative connotation. I consider myself a coffee snob. It's uh, it's just like anything when you get on that craft side of consuming. It's it's you notice when you backstep. I mean, if you start, you know, eating high quality food, organic produce, uh, you know, you're just it's I've coined the term craft consumption. I mean, once you start like going down this path of like understanding the product or its intentions or what went into it to get it to you, it's uh, it's hard to disregard things that maybe less than mm. or maybe less than isn't the word, but maybe uh, just not as elevated. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, because there's a lot of intention in this coffee. Again, not just what we do with it here or trying to make a fun label or a tasty coffee like it's it's a very rich connection all the way back to these origins um so coffee snob i i guess i would classify that as someone who who cares where the coffee came from uh the quality of it how it's being prepared um because again yes coffee is is it's an art it's a craft but it also is it comes down to a very strict science i mean when you look at the roasting side of things as well as the extraction or brewing side of things um, it's not just throwing some beans in water and hoping for the best. Uh, so yeah, just a coffee snob is someone who really has that intention behind sourcing what they're going to brew at home, how they're going to brew it. Um, and maybe noticing the difference when they get a bunk cup. <laughs> well, so, yeah, yeah, I think that's spot on. Interesting. Or it, it makes me think about just with every single thing in the whole world, there is that range of like you can buy the worst and cheapest of the cheap but you can also buy the best of the best and like no matter what it is even if it's like a pen you yep. can buy a pen that costs 10 cents probably or you can buy pens that are multi-thousands of dollars and it's like percent how high does coffee get like what is oh. the most expensive oh, bag thousand. of coffee oh. I, I mean, there's I coffees. couldn't even tell you. I mean, there is like there is anomalies out there, like yeah. the coffee bar of coffee, which is. I mean, <laughs> I've seen stuff trade for, and this is stuff that's usually selling like to co countries like uh, Australia, Japan, or Dubai. But I've seen stuff trade for over a thousand dollars a pound. Yeah, like easy, a What's, pound. And what is a a pound of your guys' coffee costs? So like. If you're looking at like buying a pound or like we sell most of our stuff in like 12 ounce bags. Yeah. So a 12 ounce bag is like right 17, 18 dollars um, over the last couple of years with like COVID and like uh, getting like just transportation costs. Everything's gone up significantly. Yeah. Uh, again, riffing off what Ricky said about oil, uh, coffee rose higher during that period of time than oil did or rose faster in terms of price. Um, so yeah, prices have gone up, but yeah, I mean, we have stuff that is, you know, in that anywhere from 16 to $18 range, but then we just got a new coffee that'll probably sell for an eight ounce bag. That'll probably be 35, maybe $40. Um, and that's just because it's a little more rare. It's a little more delicate. Um, the processing was a little bit more crazy. Like this particular coffee, they used blackberry juice to process this coffee. Wow. So. That's this maybe, could be a, a coffee <laughs> that maybe you like since you're not like a coffee guy. Like this is going to be very fruit juice like. So <laughs> looking at coffees like this is kind of like a gateway into, you know, cool coffee. Interesting. So it goes. Yeah, that's wild to think that like the same uh, quantity of what we were just talking about with what you guys sell for the amount you do. Others like special things sell for hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. That's so. And 
And there's so many reasons for why that might be. But, you know, one of the big ones is like the plant's probably very low yielding. It's a very like insane tasting coffee. Um, just rarity is kind of like the big piece of it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's again, like, it's not easy feat to uh, harvest or process these coffees. It's not a, a beautiful monocropped flat field. It's high elevation. Uh, you know, there's a lot of biodiversity. So you're not just walking from shrub to shrub. You're, you know, you're among other shade growth trees and it's it's not an easy thing and it's it is very uh it's not lucrative which is the other sad part i mean there's yeah there's a lot of stops along the the supply loop where it's just people are not receiving Mm. compensation so it's uh again speaking to you get what you pay for if you're buying dark roast crappy coffee for five bucks a pound i guarantee you those aren't going to have good measures along the way yeah, to make sure farmers receiving yeah proper wages or that the workers are um and it's just going to be a lower quality coffee roasted to a darker degree because there's nothing to bring out of it so it's it is it's an incredible spectrum and uh yeah we're not we're not on the thousand dollar a pound side of it we're also <laughs> not uh, we're not trading at you know sub dollar prices for a pound of green coffee uh it's you get what you pay for it and you support with your dollar so it's Again, all that's built into traction, and people should be spending fifteen to twenty dollars a pound on coffee. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but that's just yeah, not just because we sell coffee, but like in reality, exactly what Ricky said. It's like when you want, like you vote with your dollar at the end of the day, and like if we can say like, hey, we want to make sure everybody was treated equitably along the whole process, like it really means like yeah, we're spending a few more dollars, but at least we know the guy at the very beginning of this process, like can put food on the like dinner table for his family. And that to me is like, that's why we exist. That's a very special thing to do. And like, again, it's cool that we get to play in the BMX arena, but like at the end of the day, we exist to more or less serve the people who are growing this coffee. And as we grow, we want to like ingrain ourselves more into that. Yeah. I mean, it's no different than BMX frames and why people talk about why buying American is good. I mean, Moeller explained to me that like buying American and S&M specifically means something because they are in control of every single step. They know what material they're buying, just like how you guys know what green you're buying. And then they're in charge of every step of the process where some frames might have a tube that instead of being cut with a hole saw, it's stamped. And then it makes for a different like product in the end but when you buy and you get what you pay for you you know what you're getting and it sounds like it's it's the same thing yep exactly and i mean the end product is significantly better because of that like being able to control the whole process along the way or you know there is a lot of transparency because exactly what you're saying it's like you know there is a lot of like ambiguity especially like you know, when you talk about a frame being built overseas it's like do you know that that is true 4130 steel like what if there was an imperfection in the steel like you're putting on that thing and again it's like i, I learned that with bike frames years ago because i have a friend who owns a hand-built bike company here in the as well and like just seeing the the process of like assembling the bike and then you like look at a frame that's made overseas and you're like oh now I see the difference or you stand on it and it flexes in certain ways. And like the U S stuff doesn't, and you're just like, okay, well 
now I know what I want to be on. It's BMX knob, right? <laughs> I well, part of that is like like you're saying, you're putting your life on that, you know. Coffee might be a little different in that it's like the experience and how it might make you feel, but like a BMX bike is like if that thing doesn't hold up when you're jumping something huge, and yep. you, it's because you didn't buy what you should have, you getting what you paid for. It's like that's really scary. It is scary. I mean, anyone that's uh, you know, refusing to offer transparency, I think uh, I think there's a lot to be said there. So when there are companies like S and M or you know Traction that we we want to offer that transparency. Like that's yeah. what gets excited. I think consumers should have that right to transparency. And anytime there is not transparency in the process, I think we should be asking like, are they cutting corners? Are they, you know, are they doing, uh, you know, are, are they doing us a disservice by trying to push this product at us? It's uh, so yeah, always seek transparency is, is kind of a, it's a guiding principle for me, whether it's in food I'm trying to source or, you know, jobs or friends or you know bmx products like tell me about them are they yeah made overseas do we not know anything about them are these crappy welds is this crappy tubing like yeah that's so yeah seek transparency i mean that 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 transcends over everything in my opinion absolutely i like that <laughs> it's been a message just from the start of like my youtube channel is that i've said this a million times so i'm sorry for whoever's heard it before but it's like one of my core things, I guess you'd call it a value when I was starting all of this was just that I wanted to not have to rely on the BMX industry so that I could be transparent about things that just aren't talked about that should get talked about and changes that really need to happen that don't because people are scared to talk about them. Yep. And you're spot on. Uh, Connor has a question. What a rip. He says, do you guys decaffeinate your beans at the roastery or do you bring in decaffeinated beans? We bring in decaffeinated beans. I think the only, uh, so it's, it's a water process. Uh, we've got a water decaffeinated coffee. So it's essentially super saturated with water. Caffeine is pulled through the cell membrane and then it's the nuances are kind of like pushed back into the coffee. Um, and, but I don't believe there are any decaffeination plants in the States. So there's, Canada and Mexico, we don't handle that. Uh, again, that's with our our broker, our importer. That we we have a decaffeinated coffee that's offered to us, but it is chemical free, which we are you know stoked on, and it's great. It's a yeah, it's a really good Colombian decaf coffee that I'm actually proud of sending out. So like when you say caffeine is pulled, like physically pulled out, like it it's a it's a wild process, and the end product is like a glob of goo. And it's, it's caffeine. And that's what they sell to like, uh, or that's what Red Bull or Monster buys to caffeinate their yeah. beverages. Whoa. Yeah, so these energy drink companies will buy, I'm guessing, just drums of like gelatinous caffeine. But it's, uh, yeah, it's pulled out of the coffee. The coffee still has, you know, some life to give and nuances to, to share. So it's, uh, it's still a, a process. I mean, it beats up the coffee, but it's, uh, no, we don't do any of that in-house um i don't know of any roasteries that have that ability um but we are fortunate to get a very clean chemical free decaf brought in for us that's crazy to me that it's possible to isolate and only take out this one thing and like you're saying put the rest of it back yeah it's it, it still blows my mind and there's Science, there's man. other ways to like Science. pull out caffeine with solvents but uh like i said the water process at least is 
less less invasive a little bit more environmentally friendly as well when i think that's a good thing to point out too it's like you know we touched on like you know buying you know more equitable or coffee that's generally more expensive same thing goes for decaf like if you're buying cheaper decaf nine times out of ten it's been treated with what are being proven as cancer causing uh, chemicals and so like that's another big thing to be aware of even like super cheap coffee like it is processed and treated with um cancer causing chemicals that you know they don't go away so right like you know produce or whatever like it's if it's treated with that stuff it's it's there yep yeah that's why just like organic fruits and vegetables can be good to eat it's i'm learning so are there other like is coffee the only source of caffeine in the world or is there other places you can uh, get caffeine they get it from like tea. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure there's chocolate's got caffeine. Um, yeah, there's, but it's just the fact that there's such a high demand for decaf coffee. I mean, it's like anything. There's there's a byproduct. There's gonna be a market for it. Yeah. I mean, like we, I can't imagine. There probably was a time where they were just throwing caffeine out, but yeah. I'm sure you know caffeine pill companies or you know soda companies, energy drink companies were like, hey, we could, we can buy this. We can make a drink around this and sell it. So it's uh. It's like anything else. There's a byproduct and there's a market for it. I know like the original original Red Bull was like very goopy. So I wonder huh. if that was because it was uh, like straight up just like that product. Yeah. I'm interested to look into that. It just sounds ugh. <laughs> another cool thing that like as we're talking about byproducts of coffee, another cool thing that we actually have as well, it's called Cascara. And that's the discarded coffee cherry itself. Um, so you can steep that and it tastes like tea. Huh. Yeah, picture like a tart, you know, like a cherry skin that's dried and cracked and still uh, still looks like a cherry skin, but it's just dried form. And um, yeah, that's another byproduct of the coffee coffee process. You guys have blown my mind. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so. All right. We've gone through the whole process. We got to the point where we've got coffee in bags. Mm hmm how much of a difference does it make to the taste of what you're actually consuming when you look at like the method that you go from this thing that's in a bag to the cup? Like how you're brewing it? Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, brewing method does dictate a lot of like what you're going to get at the end of the day because there's so many different types. So like say you brewed coffee in a French press versus a pour over. One of them is like full immersion. So the coffee's sitting in water for on average like four minutes and then you're pressing it and pouring it. Whereas a pour over, you're pouring water over the top and it's almost immediately leaving those grounds. Um, so you're going to get one's going to be a little bit more muddy, kind of like bigger body on the coffee. You're going to feel it a lot more. And then the other one's going to be a lot more clean and you're going to get clarity, more fruity notes. So, yeah, the. The, the process of brewing really does dictate oh, yeah. like, the end, end result. And that's the other tough thing. Like for us as roasters, like if say we did buy that coffee, that's a thousand dollars a pound. We roast it, we sell it, which is now going to be like $2,500 a pound. Then the end consumer, like they could still mess up brewing it and it's not going to taste great. Whoa. Yeah. That, that's, that's a crazy piece of coffee. When you think of other craft industries like beer or wine, I mean, they have a finished product where, no doubt an incredible amount of work and love and intention went into, but you take that home, you, you crack a craft beer, you crack an incredible bottle of wine, you, you, you pour it, you sip it. But coffee, like, yeah, you can, you can blow an incredible coffee. Uh, I mean, there's, there's specific variables that 
one should be working within to produce the ideal cup. And I mean, that all comes down to, you know, grind size, steep time, water temperature, agitation, brew methods. So it's, you know, maybe, maybe the average person or someone not being a coffee snob would still be like, ah, it's, you know, it's brown liquid. It tastes like coffee. We hit it. But for those that maybe know what a coffee has to offer, you really want to dial that brew in and get the most out of it. Cause yeah. when you, when you nail it, you're like, you're wowing people. I mean, it's, it's awesome when you have an incredible coffee and you're like, all right, let me get my station set up. Let me do a proper pour over. And, uh, I mean, the amount of times I've brewed for people or even here at Traction, people come and Mike brews them a cup and they're just like, what the heck? This is this is coffee? Like, like are yeah, you kidding me? For example, we have a coffee right now that's from Columbia. And I keep saying it's like a party trick of a coffee because it's just, it it's tastes decadent. like juice. Like, yes. it's crazy. If you crack the tin open, it smells like like raspberry Pop-Tarts. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and again, nothing is added. It's just a coffee seed, you know, specific process that, you know, kind of embarks certain flavors on there, but it's, well, like, it's our time in the roaster and, mm -hmm. you know, but like that particular coffee, like we had a buddy come in, he's actually here in town right now building a bike park. So he's like a tradesman and he's just like, I want something that's caffeinated and dark and I don't care what it tastes like. And so he comes in and I'm like asking him what kind of coffee he likes and he tells me that and I'm like, okay. So I brew him a cup of that Columbia and he takes a sip of it and he's like, what in the hell is this <laughs> it's insane and like ever since that moment he's been coming in buying coffee now which is different than his typical like starbucks dark roast and he's buying like these really cool interesting delicate coffees and it's like that to me is the most special thing that we can do is get people excited about coffees that they're generally not excited about or like get people to become like that quote-unquote coffee snob yeah that's that's such a good feeling and uh, you know, Mike, Mike structured that into the company with, uh, one of the, one of our core coffees, it's called gateway. And, uh, the intention with that, it's a very, very approachable kind of reminiscent of your familiar coffee taste. It's a darker roast. It's not, it's not too acidic. It's not too fruity, but it's a great, you know, middle of the road coffee. Uh, so the idea is to reel people in with that, that maybe you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't like coffee with fruit or I don't like acidity or just wild flavors. But, um, yeah, you kind of start tiptoeing across the spectrum with with the gateway, and then you're like, oh, let me let me try this Columbia, or let me try that honey processed Honduras, and then before you know it, you're a coffee snob, and there's no <laughs> looking back, and uh, and you're asking about the bangers that we're releasing. So yeah. that's that is a great feeling though well, to like, and it's been cool to up. see that too. Like you know, people who started buying coffee with us from the beginning because they drank coffee, but they like you know they were the Starbucks drinkers, and they decided to support us because they were a friend or whatever. They reach out and like, yeah, this is the coffee that's going to be closest to that Starbucks. They drink it. It's We call it a dark roast, but technically it's not. And people are like, wow, that's the best dark roast I've ever had. So they buy that for a little bit. And then they start, like the website like really starts dictating, like, okay, you buy Gateway. This Guatemala is the next step in your progression. So then you start getting interested in the Guatemala. You try that. And it's this progression of dark coffee to more, you know, nuanced coffees yeah. because that is... The progress. I learned that actually. It's funny. I did a, a big tour through Starbucks headquarters years ago, and they had this really cool wall in there that showed like their progression of customers. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, how can we apply that? And like, their thing was like, we get people in with frappuccinos and we take them all the way to drinking espresso, and like how they did it. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like being able to educate and show people like. Hey, you know, coffee's good here, but it can taste like that, this over here. And that's, that's really cool to see that progression. 
with that all being said, how do you guys feel about Keurigs? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that a fighting word. That's a rough go for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, uh, I just, I think a lot of intention was lost along the way with that. I mean, I understand the convenience is amazing, but I just, from a waste standpoint, from from a coffee quality standpoint, um, from even a machine standpoint, it's just, it's not a quality take on coffee. I mean, I, you know, if I went to someone's house and they offered me a Keurig, I'd probably run back out to my van and fire up the stove and do my <laughs> whole setup and just come back in with a cup to share with them and prove to them it's worth it going the extra mile. Um, and I, I don't, I don't mind the inconvenience of my morning cup. I love it. It's, it's a ritual. Uh, you know, I've got my tools that I like to use and it's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for a automated Keurig ever. <laughs> Mark my words. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I always say like when I describe it to people, like the ritual thing comes to mind and it's like, it's like a Zen garden. That's my mm-hmm. five minutes of my day where I don't have to worry about anything else but brewing my coffee and like it's quiet. I can put a record on. I can just like take some deep breaths, brew my coffee and then it's go time. So yeah, I, I love that idea. And like, yeah, the, the convenience doesn't do anything for yeah. me if I'm being honest. So. But not to knock those Keurig drinkers. I just, I hope to I hope to, to, to reel them back into our side, you know, it's, uh, well, yeah. And if you use a Keurig too, and you have any questions about like how you take a step into like, you know, manual brewing coffee, like you can get a setup for about a hundred dollars where you're going to be able to brew some incredible coffee at home. And yeah, your, your outlook on your day, I honestly think will change. Like <laughs> when you start your day with good coffee, like, or that method of just like being quiet for a minute and making your coffee like that changes my whole day. I know that. So how often do you think about, or have you ever thought about the parallels to what you just said and riding? Because it sounds like it's like the same thing, just a much shorter period of time. It really, I mean, that goes back to what I said earlier about like these things being so synonymous. I think that's why so many people who BMX or skate or, you know, live these alternative lifestyles do gravitate towards coffee because it is like, even though it's like a micro bit of what we experience on the bike, it's still very similar. It's this feeling of like, it's like a euphoric feeling, you know, like when you are like making that coffee, when you are enjoying it, like it's very reminiscent of, you know, when you're riding a bowl or carving around like that feeling you get, it's, it's special, man. It's consumable art. I mean, uh, yeah, like it's it's a beautiful thing when you nail a cup or when you're even when you're pouring and you can smell the bloom on it and you're just like, this is going to be an incredible cup or, you know, when we knock a roast out and finally get to take some home to brew up and it's like, all right, this is exciting. It feels like every time we like get a new coffee talking about like dropping in a roast because you usually have to wait a couple of days for it to like there's it's off gassing CO2, but it always feels like Christmas morning when <laughs> you do get a crack into that bag because it's, it is that same feeling of riding. It's like you feel like you you know you get those new bike parts in the mail and you want to put them on and go ride immediately. Yeah, it's, it's like hitting a, a new bowl or something, new skate yeah, park. Like it's, it's uh it's yeah, there's a lot of good overlap right there, expression, enjoyment. So it's yeah. <laughs> Pure meditation while it's happening. And then you take a drink or you land the trick that's part of the meditation process and then it's like bliss. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking that sip is like getting to watch that clip that you just landed. You know, like you just yeah, scored a good clip. It's like, yeah, when you nail a roast and then get to drink it for the first time, it's kind of like, yeah, getting to finally enjoy the work that yeah, went into it. You get to unwind a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. 
I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a long arc, but uh, you know what I mean? I, I do see there's similarities in yeah, that for it sure. It is synonymous, man. I, I do believe that's why, you know, so many people do gravitate towards it. So, Oh, yeah. And I guarantee there's people who have seen right now who are like, what the hell are they <laughs> talking about? And I'm over here like I've never had a sip of coffee in my life, but I get it. And yeah. I'm with you in the same moment of like, I understand where you're coming from. Well, it goes back to another thing we said earlier. It's like, even if you don't do that thing, like, but you can draw a parallel, which you can in most things in life. And like, then you can be excited about it too, you know? And like, that's, I always relate pretty much everything in my life back to riding a bike. So yeah, coffee is easily relatable back. Yeah. I second that. (laughs) So cool. So Maybe we should talk about riding bikes a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty coffee heavy. Uh, <laughs> but that was the whole point. I just wanted to hey. learn because I, I didn't know anything. And I, I wanted no, to. That's, that's part of traction is educating on the coffee front. So Hell yeah. So traction has had 100% of its history in BMX. It sounds like you've, you've ridden before you started traction, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we toe the line of like, uh, I mean, we're primarily bmx but i have a big love for mountain bikes as well um obviously we're in colorado which is like one of the most incredible places to ride mountain bikes so we integrate a lot of mountain bikes into the the brand as well but yeah i mean bmx is the first love so that's that's the integration point that's we're heavily focused on so and yeah like i said earlier it's almost it'll be 19 years in like a month so of riding bmx more than half my life what about you, Ricky? How long have you ridden? I was just thinking on that this morning. I think, uh, yeah, I think I started when I was 12, 12 or 13. So I got, I got 20 years under my belt of throwing myself around on that little 20 inch bike. Dang. I've got, uh, in a couple weeks, it'll be 17 for me. That's amazing. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It, which is, uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a huge piece of traction too. Like it's, it's helping reinforce that I'm going to be able to work and ride, work and ride, work and ride, you know, and hopefully have those go hand in hand. And I mean, I'm going until the wheels fall off, literally. Like I just, it's what brings me some of the the best moments in my life. Uh, You know, it's, y'all know, I mean, if you know, you know, like BMX, it, it scratches every itch for me. So it's, if I can integrate myself into a, a career that allows that to go on for as long as it can, sign me up. When I think like touching on like you just said like tell the wheels fall off and one of the guys who's like a big part of the traction family um he we ride with him all the time and this guy he turns sixty next month and he's dude. still riding Whoa. dude like, it's the sickest you'd be hyped on him bro. he was with me at uh, Swamp Fest actually like he came to Swamp Fest damn and it's like he is he's sixty years old he's retired and he is. Like he has relit my fire for BMX because he's like it's cool to watch him learn. Like he grew up racing BMX, um, and then he had a career where he didn't ride BMX for forty years almost. And um, yeah, he got back into it like two or three years ago, and he's like learning how to do everything, dude. And he's taking the slams. He's sixty years old, dude. So like for anybody out there who's listening, who's like, oh, I haven't ridden. I you know I'm too old. My never back. Too late. It's never too late, man. Wow. Yeah. yeah. When I was turning, I, so I turned 30 last year. I'll turn 31 in like seven days. But uh, when I was turning 30, like leading up to that point, I was so stressed because I'm like, my back hurts. Like, I don't know how much longer I'll be able to ride BMX because like, you know, you, you think 30, 40, that might be the end. And like, 
I start riding with this guy and I'm like, oh, dude, like he's like, yeah, we got some years left. <laughs> it's unlimited, dude. And I think that that's very special, like getting to experience that. So there's so many people like that in the world right now, too. I mean, a couple of years ago, this dude named Mendo from Russia came on with a video. He was 68 years old and put out a riding video wow. on YouTube. And then you look into it and I found out that he didn't start riding until he was 62. Dude, that's, that's amazing. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. So with this guy, his name's Alex, uh, Alex Bogusky. And, um, he, I keep telling him, I'm like, let's film and edit. Cause he's yeah. like, he's doing a boo because he's doing foof news. He's like doing, he's doing some sick stuff. He's doing like pickup bar spins and then airing a quarter. And like, it's, it's impressive. So I'm like, dude, let's film like an actual video for you. Cause like, I think it would resonate so well throughout the BMX world of like, it is inspirational, right? And so, yeah, I think that's something that we're going to have to make happen here soon. Yeah, dude, just even if it's a phone, like it doesn't even matter. You don't get old till you quit. That's certainly the truth, man. And that guy proves that you can re-get young again by starting again. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's it's the truth. Wow, that blows my mind. So like what what's the extent of what you enjoy a lot while you're riding? What types of stuff? Primarily for me, it's it's transitioned into just like a lot of bowl riding. Like I grew up riding like right down the road from here is Sandstone Skate Park. And if, if you've watched many videos of like Matt Cordova from way back in the day, like that's the park that we grew up riding. Mm. Uh, so that's pretty much where like I've gra gravitated to towards. Like I grew up racing. Um, then I had dirt jumps in my backyard where we would just it was like this really cool community hub. So people would come out there. So dirt jumping was a huge thing for me for a long time. Um, especially cause like I could walk out my door and do that. But now it's pretty much just like concrete bowl skate parks is like what I, I really enjoy. Gotcha. Ricky, how does it feel to go from Worcester skate park every other day to Colorado and having anything and everything concrete wise you could ever dream of? Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a change up. No, it's incredible, man. Like just it's unreal. There's still spots and bowls and parks I've not hit in this state. Um, it's different, though. I mean, you know, Midwest riders, we had straight box jumps and wood ramps and Apple Creek. Parks. Yeah. And, you know, Apple Creek Trail, stuff like that. So it uh, it took me a while to to just even figure out how to ride stuff out here. Um, not to mention, like, I severed myself from my whole community when I left Ohio, yeah. like my community which took me years to understand um but again that's why i'm so grateful you know for the the new community i have out here and just good circle of homies um but no it's incredible man i mean i live in boulder right now so boulder boulder skate parks yeah. just the way which is where we actually met like yeah the first was that your first trip to colorado oh my gosh man <laughs> okay i gotta arc on this story because it was uh yeah this is just it's amazing how things come full circle yeah uh, so I moved out here 12 years ago, you know, my sights were set on Boulder initially that didn't work out, but I was still in the vicinity. Uh, yeah. First time I rolled road Boulder skate park 12 years ago, showed up by myself, park was empty, trying to figure out these giant hips and crazy bowls and, uh, and then three rogue dudes just show up and start destroying the place. And I like, at that time I just got off my bike, sat down and just watched the show. But, um, found out years later that it was. It was Mike Murphy and Matt Cordova, two of my best friends out here now. And uh, it was just unreal because, um, yeah, coming from Ohio, there's a lot of tech tricks, you know, big, 
four peg bikes, brakes, different setups. And, um, yeah, that was the first time I ever saw in person, just people blasting pegless, brakeless and just letting loose. And, uh, yeah, I didn't find out till later who those people were, but, and then, yeah, it's long funny. Behold, it's well, just you, well, it's funny too. Cause I have a photo from that day. There was a guy there shooting photos and it's like, I'm doing a look back on a hip and Ricky's sitting in the background. This is 12 years ago. I'm yeah. Like, I, when we were talking about that the other day, I was like, I'm pretty sure you're sitting in the background. Sure enough. It's Ricky. And like, Dude. what a wild, like turn of events to be sitting here now. Yeah, It was so. like what, eight or nine years later before maybe longer. I don't know before we actually met, but it was just, yeah, that's when I knew like, holy cow, like Colorado's got a solid BMX scene, like I'm watching some of the craziest riding I've ever seen and they're just going at it casually. So it was, that was a treat, man. If you've never seen, yeah, Matt or Mike ride Boulder Skate Park, like you're missing out. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Just the, yeah. the full circle way things go. Uh, I don't know if it's like this where um, you guys are at, but Sponge was telling me how in Montana he'd go to these gnarly concrete bowls where people are flying with huge airs going super fast. And then he would do like a hoofanoo or a toothpick and they would lose their minds. Dude, that's, oh, yeah. that's how it is for me out here. <laughs> so sick. People aren't used to the lip tricks or anything. So I got people doing like, you know, eight foot whips out of quarters and just crazy shit. And then, you know, I come up and do a foof on a sub and people are just losing it. It's like, Dude, it's- I, I mean, that's that's all I got, gang. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Every time Ricky rides, me and Matt are always like looking at each other like he's our favorite bike rider just because like, yeah, three tapping the ice over a spine or whatever. It's like that stuff never we never saw that stuff growing up. You know, nobody rode like that out here. So like then seeing Ricky drop in and like casually do that stuff. We're always just like losing our minds. Ricky wins every session in our eyes. So it's, it's, it's fun to have like a different different flavor, at least than than most out here. But it's a. Uh, no, I'm humbled every time I go to any skate park out here. I'm just like, there's so many rippers and yeah, even up and comers you don't know about yet that it's just like, all right, give them another season, another year. And they're going to be, they're going to be running this park. So. Yeah. Well, it's even, even talking about like how special it is out here now. Like basically, I mean, all the fast and loose dudes have moved here to Longmont, um, recently, which is cool. So it's like them injecting like what they're doing more and more into the community and seeing these kids that are coming up like there's two kids that are 16 years old here in Colorado right now that are like they are nuts dude like nuts like it's bizarre to watch them ride bikes yeah <laughs> that's hell yes I it's, love it's that that's a heavy crew that's assembled out here for sure that's the place for it I mean that Colorado, I've heard about how it's like no matter which direction you go, you're going to hit a skate park in like 15 minutes. Dude. Yeah. From where we sit right now, I think within like if you drove 30 minutes in any direction, like you could probably hit five or six different parks. Wow. Like serious parks, not yeah. just little like DIY or rinky dink, you know, setups. It's um, crazy. And then not to mention like the mountain runs, you know, running out for a weekend and hitting some real far off pockets of the state. It's we're spoiled out here. And then here. we've got all the public <laughs> bike parks. Like Valmont Bike Park is insane. Frisco Bike Park is insane. Um, Matt Cordova is out here actually building a bike park just north of us, like 20 minutes. That's like, it's huge, dude. I don't know, don't remember the square footage, but I know that the the main dirt jump line is like 2,500 uh, feet long or something. Jeez. It's nuts, dude. Like he was like, I got through it and I was just like, I think this is too long. <laughs> it's like, I mean, we have that kind of stuff everywhere out here so yeah you got to make a trip man ricky's been telling me that for 12 years so buddy i know know. happened
I I do. I really do. People would lose it seeing your riding out here. They That'd wouldn't know fun. what to think. They'd be like, oh my god, it's that ice pick guy from Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they can't get enough of it. The real question is, did you ever ice pick the lip at the Rumble? Dude, <laughs> that, I was, yeah, okay. So that video where that was put in there, during that interview, I said two different times, I was like, I want to make this very clear. I would never actually do that. And it didn't get put into there. And I was like, oh, God, everyone's going to be like, really? This guy. <laughs> it made me laugh. So I knew it was all all good. Good intentions. Yeah. yeah, it was funny. It was like the recap video. Yeah. That yes. event though is amazing. I'm so bummed that I, I, w- I was planning to come out and then like waited too long to book my plane ticket and I was just like, dang it, dude. Because it, it looks like the energy is just off the charts. Yeah, it really is. And I mean it's like one of those last like gladiator type events where here it is. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is so reminiscent of that event that Crandall and FBM used to throw uh, brawling at the Belmar. Yeah. Like, that's what it reminds me of all the time. It's just a more cleaned up version of that, you know, and it's it's cool to see, like, how Crandall is integrating the community in it and charity into it and, like, all the amazing things he's doing through really cool events. It's It's very special and, like, seeing him get kids on bikes like that's something i'm also very passionate about so like anytime that that can happen like i'm all about seeing that dude it's it that's the most special thing that can happen in bmx is getting more people involved and we all know how it's changed our lives right yeah man and one thing that i noticed at that event that i thought was just so cool was how many young kids there were at that kids jam there's just so many and it was like I'm thinking about this. I'm like, I mean, if you're a 10 year old kid, how how likely is your parent to take you like really far for an event like this? So it has to mean that there's a lot of those kids that like that's their spot. Totally. And to think about how many people were probably just local to that that are the BMX riders created through the stuff like what Crandall's doing and just the existence of that gillies creek pump track like being in the middle of the city it was really cool you could just get this vibe of like wow the scene here is huge and it's just getting bigger with young kids and adults and everyone it's thriving and i think you know that's something special that's going on kind of all over the country now with like the like this popping up of these velo solutions pump tracks like they are popping up everywhere dude every time i travel anywhere people are like oh have you checked out the pump track they are everywhere and i'm pretty sure we're supposed to get like a dozen more here by the end of the year and i know they are cranking nonstop. so like just that alone that is again when you talk about a gateway into something those are the gateway into bmx because anybody can go there anybody can have fun and like the attitudes are generally really great there you know and that is the most special piece of it all yeah what were you gonna say ricky oh i mean i just that's what gets me stoked more than anything man seeing the the next generation and just you know a very alive community it's yeah <laughs> i can remember what it was like being in that you know uh or i mean when worcester first got at the skate park you yeah. know poking around just oblivious to the scene but just knowing like this is something cool i want to learn more i want to do this i want to figure out how to how to make friends through this, find my people. And 
yeah, man, it's uh, it's stuck. So here we are today. Like that's that's proof of it right now. Taking it back to like when I first went to Worcester, I am so conscious and grateful of the fact that all of you guys who are older than me were cool and nice because thinking back to it, like Dan and Kevin were the biggest dicks to each other ever because they're like best friends. You know how that is. And so like I can remember just like I would learn a new trick and I would go on aim and message Dan like, hey, I learned this thing. And and he would never be mean or like dismissive at all. He'd just be like, good. Now go learn this. And, yeah, that's and very damn of him. But it was like, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, if one of those guys, whether it was Dan or Joey or Kevin or I mean anybody was a dick to me when I was a kid, just being stoked, I don't know where things would have gone. Because when you think about that, it's like when you, someone you look up to and is a direct like jerk to you at this place where you're at to like feeling like you belong there. It, it can very easily just be like, well, I guess I'm not going to go there anymore. And everyone was awesome. I mean, you, Sponge, Kevin, Dan, Joey, think about the scene. Like, Mark, I'm, I mean, it was like, dude, the 691 scene was alive. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. I, I, I definitely second that, man. I'm grateful for those guys. And I still, one of my first BMX relics is, uh, it's like a, what would it have been? 2001 or 2002 back to school dance comp magazine that Joey Greenwald threw me in the parking lot. He threw it to me in the parking lot of uh, the first Worcester skate park. You were just telling me that story. I still have this because this like, this was the first, I don't know if I had any ride BMX magazines before then or anything, or I definitely didn't have a dance comp catalog. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I remember taking that home and just looking through every page, every frame, every 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 part set up, every shirt, every brand, and um, I still have that magazine. So shout out to Joey. I mean, that was, I mean, it was funny. We definitely got, <laughs> it was it was uh, it's kind of an initiation round because they they loved us, but it was tough love. Like, I'm sure you received some of that brand. You know what I mean? Like they they had our backs, but they definitely were like. <laughs> I have one memory, <laughs> one that stands out in my head because I I feel like I was so like into it and didn't care at all if anyone ever like was just you know like messing around not being like an actual jerk or anything but Mm -hmm. i do remember one time where kevin was like hey can you move i'm gonna ride there and i just was like no and so he just hit me (laughs) but it was like yeah i should have got hit there because he asked me to move and then i didn't and he's like well i'm trying to do something there and and that's my only memory of those types of things. I mean, I can that's remember getting hit by Kevin Smith. That's <laughs> well, like local legend right there. Seriously, nobody outside in like the mainstream BMX world knows about that dude, but he was incredible. And that's what I was going to bring up too is like Kevin used to take me to like Dan's ramp and stuff. Yeah. And when he could drive and I couldn't drive and, and it was and Dan built wheels for me and didn't really ask for anything in return. It was like, I'm just this kid who's riding. And man, there was just something like the more, the older I get in BMX and the more you see different scenes and areas that are built like Colorado, incredible BMX scene, but you also have like incredible stuff to ride. 
Mm-hmm. There's something that was special about Worcester Skate Park because it was this four foot prefab skate park that produced like everyone who rode there was incredible, even by like a professional standard. We had sessions there that were just nuts. It would be nothing to see the subrail get foofed by multiple people in one day. That's yeah. sick. And that, yeah, I really feel like we did the most with what we had there, which is not special. And we had the best times, man, even if it was just full day of trying something over the spine you know or mm-hmm. like learning a new trick together so that's well, that's like yeah. the pure essence of bmx right like doing the most with the least and mm-hmm. i think oh, that yeah. that's probably makes that so special and yeah hearing that you guys had like those positive people around like that's huge dude, dude it's... and that's like i mean that's what changes your life and like it it pains me to see it sometimes in the world we live in now where like people are like too cool to talk to kids or whatever and it's like Dude, always slap vibes with yeah. the kids. Like, always like try and help them learn something new. Give them a sticker, whatever it is. Cause like, we all remember sitting there when your favorite rider did that for you. And like, that made you come back. Oh, right. Dude. That made you learn something new. That, that made you go home and tell your parents, like, how cool the skate park is. And that's what lets you keep going to this or whatever yeah. it is, you know. And like, those moments are so special. Like, being able to build other people up and, I feel like an old guy now saying it, but I'm like, when I see kids learning stuff now, I'm like that, that gets me excited about BMX. Cause like we all know how to do the stuff that we know how to do. And like when somebody learns how to manual and you see that joy, like it takes you back to you being that 14, 15 year old kid. And you're like, I remember when I unlocked that. And like, that's, those are cool feelings to have. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm very conscious of the way things were whenever I first started riding with all you guys, because I had people like you, but then there was like the situation with big JT where he would literally pick me up at school, take me to my house to get my bike and then go somewhere to ride. And like, he's 10 years older than me at that point in time. And he's just like the most badass dude ever. So he's like taking me to the trails and we're digging together and like going the one day he picked me up and he's like, all right, we're going on a BMX road trip. I'm going to pay for the gas, but you're driving and we're going to this skate park, this park, and then we're going to end the day at this park, and then we'll go back home. And, like, so cool. And I always come back to the fact that, like, I never watched videos growing up because I didn't need the people from videos to be like my heroes because I had all of you guys as my heroes to where I just like it was never even a consideration of like, <laughs> I'm going to watch videos. I, I was just focused on like filming you guys and me and everything and dude it's just it was the best and i'm really glad that i like realized it yeah those are the best memories man and it's i really think it instilled something in us that we i don't say we feel obligated but we uh naturally pay it forward and that's like mike was saying like you know slap lives with little kids at the skate park or just going in and learning names and you know just not not being that dark cloud at the skate park i mean we're all trying to have fun like make friends like yeah give some tips like i even love like the fact that you touched on your buddy that's 10 years older than you like hop in the car we're going somewhere and like yeah i I had a buddy like that here growing up too and it's like now it's crazy for me to think i'm like that guy's like 40 years old but like he was an adult at the time he owned a house and he had a real job and he was very responsible and like just getting to learn those things like not directly but like being around those people and like now trying to be those kind of people for Mm -hmm. kids around that's a cool thing to do to be like, Hey dude, like you can do this forever, but like you also have to take care of priorities over here and like, yeah, letting, you know, a kid hop in the car with you and take him to a skate park that 
otherwise they've never been to that lights another fire for them you know that's like oh wait i can travel and ride this bike yeah. and you have no idea what impact that's making because i know like you know our, our group of bmx elders that took us under their wing like i'm sure they were just like ah this kid you know he, he wants to ride today let's throw him in the car take him to the skate park but like dude those are some of my best memories i mean the first time i went up to michigan and albies i remember like getting packed into chris's truck with joey and his girlfriend at the time and i'm just you know, I'm wedged between bikes and bags and I didn't care at all. Like I didn't care if I was sleeping on bikes. I just was so stoked to get thrown in a vehicle and like, Hey, we're taking you to the skate park. We're going to Chango. We're going to Joe's like, it was like, yes, this is awesome. So yeah. At whatever cost of doing that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I really don't think those guys ever thought like, well, this is probably going to be one of his core memories that will echo. Oh, they definitely life. didn't. <laughs> it, I like, yeah. Cause they were just like, ah, oh, there's enough there's like there's room for half a body maybe we could throw ricky and his bike in here and i was always like yeah i'm game that's why you're so flexible yeah exactly. <laughs> but no nah, man so I, it's it's an honor to kind of like carry that torch and again you don't know like even just saying what's up to a little kid on a little bike at a skate park like and if they see you drop in and do a cool trick they're like whoa like that dude just recognized me or he just you know gave me a fist bump on his way out and i'm all about it i so think that's yeah something special to take away from what brand said too it's like you know, he didn't have to watch the videos of like the top pros because like his local dudes were the heroes. And like, you know, anybody listening, you can be that too. Like you don't have to be yep. the most insane bike rider in the world. Like you can be the local hero. And like, yeah, that's that is so special, man. It's it's life changing for a lot of people. So it's yeah. and you say you can be the local hero. I would take it even a step further in that. Like there's people out there right now who probably are the local hero but don't even realize it and yeah. and if you recognize that early the impact you can have i mean the the greatest example of all of this is just that like the first night i ever went to worcester skate park with a bike i remember sponge being there i'm sure ricky's told you about sponge <laughs> because he's the greatest rider on the literal universe and i feel there are two but <laughs> Just under the radar. Yeah. So, like, I, I remember filming Sponge with my razor phone, filming <laughs> a line that he did where he 270 the hit, then he threed the spine. Then he did a bar air that, to fakie on the quarter that was, like, wow. above coping on one of those little four-foot Worcester quarters. And Great. And I just remember him landing that and turning around, and he's got his Indian's hat on, and he's wearing that, uh, that tank top on a T-shirt, I'm pretty sure, that's, like, a tank top printed on a t-shirt or something like that and and then it became that like sponge and i are the, we're making videos together and to this day like we still ride together every chance we get and we film stuff and and it went from him being like the person that i filmed that i was just like oh my god this is the most insane best thing i've ever seen to being one of my best friends on the planet and we still ride together and it's yeah still one of my favorite people to ride with like seriously it's come out here a couple of times over the years and we just it's like you know nothing skipped a beat we just jump back on on two wheels and get after it and having the best times once again that's so cool yeah not <laughs> to mention that he's legitimately one of the best people on the planet like not only has he influenced me in bmx but just as a person like i've very much thought about like trying to be as good of a person as he is he's about as solid as they come and that's yeah man just to echo that like 
just be a good person, man. Like that's, that's a legendary move in itself. Like, I don't care if you're doing the biggest airs, the craziest tech tricks, like come to the skate park, you're having a good time. You're sharing the stoke. Like that's, that's local legend status right there. Oh yeah. dude. It, it takes nothing to be a nice, good person. Like yeah. it's free. You don't have to. It's, dude. Yeah. It's, it's infinite. You can give it out as much as you want. Keep being good. You know, like yeah. when we all know, like we have so many of those positive people that bring the great energy to the sessions, but like it takes just one, you know? And it's like, that's the hard part. Like you do get the bad like energy around. And you're just like, dude, come on. The more people we can have showing up to the sessions, like stoking people up, like, I think better off everything's going to be not just BMX, but just life in general. Yeah, right. Man. And like hearing you say like your buddy, like, you know, inspired you to be the best person and continues to be or inspiring you to be the best person. Like that's, that's huge. And I think that's the other beauty that BMX brings to everything that we do. It's like you not only get to ride bikes and have fun, but you're going to be around people who are genuine and incredible and like inspirational. Yeah. It's the best thing ever. I mean, it's it's what brought you two together. It's what brought us together. It's it powers so many things that I don't know. It's just there's it's a special thing in life because I feel like there's a lot of things that people get do you know for fun, whatever it might be, or people just do as a job, whatever it is. But like not all of them have as big of an impact on every single aspect of your life as something like BMX. You know, if you're a swimmer, you go and swim, you know, you, you go and you race, you, you do what you do, but BMX teaches you about every aspect, not just, oh, I'm going to get better at swimming and I'm going to take failure and I'm going to work hard and whatever. It's so much more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I always say too, it's like, I mean, it teaches you those life lessons because you're like, you know, you are generally like running around with your friends. So like, think about being 15 years old and like your friend breaks his ankle when you're out riding street, like you got to figure that out. Like nobody's mm-hmm. coming to help you. Like maybe you call a parent, but like until they get there, you're figuring that out. And like, those are valuable life lessons where it's like in a traditional sport, there's a team there and like, you know, you're not carrying the weight yourself, but like when you're in BMX, like you're learning these hard lessons, you're traveling in a car with a bunch of dudes and like you're generally in a shady part of town and like you're just learning a lot. And like you also get to see a lot of different aspects of life that most people don't get to see. And me and Ricky were talking about the movie mid nineties the other day and like how much that like kind of mirrors like, you know, the, the world that we've all grown up in is because it's a collection of different people from all different walks of life and how crazy that is that everybody gets to come together and be friends in one space. And like that doesn't really happen often. Like you talk about like, you know, being on the swim team maybe. And it's like usually everybody on the swim team comes from like the same kind of place. They Mm -hmm. kind of similarly, whereas in BMX or like alternative worlds, like people are coming from all over the place. They're misfits and Mm -hmm. like they fit somehow all fit together and like collaboratively make that thing better. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the same concept we're talking about exists to a degree in everything but for the most part it feels like it's it's a little bit different it's like let's look at golf or anything like that it feels similar what we're trying to say with the swimming yeah uh, comparison i have to say here uh sponge came up here the alex williams said the first day i went to orville skate park sponge gave me a fist bump on his way out i've been there every day since See? Yeah, that's amazing. 
I love that. And man. a fist bump from Sponge. That that came with some extra, some special power, man. That's a <laughs> seriously though. Yeah, no, that's rad. I want to learn more about coffee. Yeah, come visit the roastery, man. Yeah, I, I definitely would like to do that. And so, like, you talked a lot about you had jams. You've you've supported things like the Unclicked podcast. What else in the BMX world that we haven't talked about yet do you guys do and have going on? Uh, so, obviously, like, a lot of collaborations. Our most recent one, which is over a year ago now, it's been so crazy, but we did a collaboration with Shadow that was really cool. And every time we do these collaborations with different brands, we always try and do like a full capsule or a collection of different things. So maybe a shirt. Uh, we have a laser engraver in house, so we do custom laser engraved mugs for every collaboration or a keychain or whatever it is. Um, one that is coming up that I guess I can talk about because it's probably in the next month or so. But we have a collection coming out with Fast and Loose uh, nice. to celebrate their most recent video, which is Magnetar. Um, and this collection is freaking awesome, dude. So I'm excited to hopefully get that out. They're all in Italy right now. So when they get back, we're going to drop that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool collection. I think it's a tote bag, a hat, a shirt, a bag of coffee and a mug. Um, so we like to do those as like a collection where you can buy a box where you can buy each thing individually. Um, so that's really fun to be doing that in BMX. And then something that we also do peripherally, that's like not directly linked to BMX, but I do a lot of bicycle donations as well. Um, so we travel all over the country um, I worked with a nonprofit called Candade, and I think next month we'll be we'll have donated our ten thousandth bike. Whoa, um, dude! So that's all the all the children at schools yep. in five ten, years. Uh, ten. It'll be a decade. So yeah, about a thousand bikes a year is what the math would break down Jeez. to. But um, I just did one on Tuesday. So the criteria to get a bike, it's all first or second grade classes and we donate it to a whole class to get a brand new bike, a brand new helmet. And yeah, it's just so special. And the criteria is it has to be a title one school. And I think to be a title one school, I think it's 80% of the students have to be on free or reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. Then my math might be a little bit off there, but it's a high percentage of the school. So it's usually neighborhoods that are experiencing a high level of poverty. So getting the experience to go to these neighborhoods all over the country and, uh, again, be exactly what we're talking about. It's kind of like try to come in and be a shining light and be like, that's the speech I give all the time. I'm like, my BMX bike literally has given me the world. You know, it's, it's taught me everything I need to know. It's introduced me to all the right people. I own a company because of it. Like it's very special. So I get to talk to all the kids about that, show them a BMX demo, talk to them about bike safety. And then I get to feel like Oprah for a few seconds when I tell them they all get to take a brand new bike home. So yeah, that's another big thing that like we love to have integrated into traction is like that charity work. And uh, yeah, the opportunity to do that stuff is huge. And it's so in line with us too. I mean, yeah, getting, getting your first bike, like that's, that's a game changer, you know? The thing I always say, like, and I, I've said this a hundred times on news interviews or wherever I've talked about Candid, which is the nonprofit. But, um, you know, your first experience really as a kid is riding away from your parents on your bike without training wheels. And like that's or first experience of freedom, you know, and like for a kid to not be able to experience that because they aren't you know, fortunate enough to have a bike. That's heartbreaking to me. So seeing organizations like Candid or what Crandall is doing with RadShare, which gets kids on bikes like. That's that's huge because that literally could be the difference between a kid joining a gang or, 
you know, doing, you know, some really bad things, dropping out, being severely depressed. Like there's so many variables there. So when you look at these incredible nonprofits doing work like this, it's, it's really cool, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. And they're so since they are all brand new, what we do is we rally the community together wherever we're doing them. Um, so the, the nonprofits based here in Longmont, Colorado, um, it was initially an extension of Oscar blues. Um, so my buddy Dale, who started Oscar Blues, he started this nonprofit because there was a flood here in Colorado in 2013 and the town that Oscar Blues started in Lyons was like pretty well decimated. They didn't have clean drinking water and he shut the brewery down to can water for the town so they could have clean drinking water. He donated a ton of money out of his own pocket and it spurred this nonprofit and he was, he's a mountain biker himself. So he was like, well, bikes could be a cool thing to integrate into this nonprofit Um, so that was about 10 years ago. We did our first bike donation here in Longmont. And from there we've done them all over the country and we have sister cities that we go to frequently. Uh, it's Austin, Texas, Nashville, Tennessee, Hartford, Connecticut, and then just kind of all over the place. But those, those sister cities are usually the ones where we're going to and doing the the bike donation. And yeah, it's, it's cool. And we rally the community together to come out and volunteer and build the bikes with us. And then the next day we go donate them. It's amazing. It's so much fun. It's like I always say, I'm like, this is the coolest shit that I get to do. Like, it really is. Like, I, I love traction with my whole heart. But if I could just give bikes away every single day, man, that's that's probably what I would be doing. Yeah, it's, you can't put a value on those uh, those reactions and just the kids' faces when yeah. they receive a bike for the first time. Well, like, some of the stories you hear, man, it's it is it's it shows you why you're there. Because like I've talked to kids where it's like, you know, they're you're putting their helmet on them, fitting it, and they're just like. Oh man, like now my mom doesn't have to work two jobs to buy me a bike or whatever. Yeah. The amount of times I've left those schools with like tears running down my face because I'm just like, oh man, as much as I think life is hard or has been hard for me, like I have been very fortunate, you know, and like thinking about a kid that's, you know, growing up in a tough place like these, where these schools are, it's gives you, it shares a lot of perspective, you know, and it makes you feel very thankful. And also, it's really cool that they get to experience a little bit of freedom and yeah, some do goodery from other people. Absolutely. And just like the, like what you're talking about with, you know, the parents saying, well, now I don't have to do this to get that. It's like the, the burden, not necessarily burden, but like the, the way that that can, that money that they might've been thinking about spending on that can go towards something else. And it's like, not only could this bike be a life changing event for this kid, but also the money that was going to be for a bike or something that goes to something else could be life changing in the same way. Totally. It's crazy. Yeah. There's so many layers to it, man. And yeah, it is. It's just one of those things that's so special. And when you think about like 10,000 bikes, it's like that's that's a lot of really excited kids. And like I know like we've done a ton here in Colorado and like every once in a while I'll be in a neighborhood that we've donated bikes in and I'll see a kid go zip and buy on the bike and like, you know, they probably pass them down to their siblings or whatever. And it's, it's so cool to see those bikes being loved and used. And like, they're very like iconic. There's these like bright candy red bikes. So you see them zip by and you're just like, Oh dude, it gives me chills thinking about that too. It's just, it's the coolest thing in the world. So, and I've seen them like show up to the skate park too. So like usually when we do these donations, like I do, I try and go to the pump track or the skate park that's local and talk to the local guys and be like, Hey guys, like 
we just did this bike donation here. If you see these kids show up on a bike that looks like this, exactly what you were saying earlier, be nice to them, you know, welcome and welcome them into the community because like this is their safe haven now, you know, if they choose to come here with their new bike, like welcome them with open arms. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, uh, gun to your head, you have to pick coffee or bikes. It's bikes, bikes dude. Bikes. Oh, same time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love that. That's funny. Yeah, it truly is. I mean, yeah. I had, I had bikes before coffee, so I got I to gotta pay homage to that. <laughs> you know, Wouldn't have coffee without bikes. Yeah, right? I don't know. I love the coffee industry. I love the people that I've met. I love the places that I've gone because of coffee. But, um, yeah, I had to choose, man. Definitely bikes. Like, I just, there's nothing that puts a smile on my face, like, pedaling around even when I'm injured and I just got to go out on a road bike, like just, just pedal, man. Like it's, it's the medicine. <laughs> Seriously. It, if it's not the problem, it's the solution to the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly that dude. Uh, I, there's a couple more things I feel like I could have asked about, uh, traction itself. Like how many different like blends am I right? If I call it a blend, mm -hmm. how many different yeah. blends do you guys do? Uh, no. On average, like, if, if you're looking at bags of coffee on the site, on average, we have anywhere from like seven to 12 different coffees on the site at any given time. Um, so it just kind of varies like what we have like sitting over here in raw inventory or whatever it is. Um, or if we have a lot of collaborations going on, um, it just it just varies all over the board. But usually it's seven to 12 different bags of coffee on the site with a lot of uh, single origin, which I mean, it's, it's simple in the name, but to explain it's a one farm, one lot, uh, hmm. single origin from one place. It's not a blend. And, um, we've got a lot of those offerings as well to really showcase those specific regions. Um, but yeah, seasonal blends to just kind of play off the seasons. You know, we got a summer blend coming out that's going to be juicy and bright and just easy drinking for the hot days. Yep. Um, but yeah, a little best of both worlds. There's something for everyone attraction, you know, like, like the gateway to bring people in if they're trying to get a dark roast, but then, you know, all the way to that Columbia. That's yeah, like that something juicy, wild fruity. and crazy. And then your blends, that'll be the same throughout the season. So it's uh, that's what's fun about coffee. It's There's a lot of shades to it. It changes. And I love bouncing around. I couldn't drink the same cup every day. So it's it's fun to have different offerings. Yeah. And then another product that we just rolled out outside of the beans. We put it out last year and sold out pretty quick. But they're back and they're back for good. It's these cans, like canned ready-to-drink coffees. Um, so this is something we're like super excited about. They're super tasty and we just sold out of the one that's brand new to us this year, but it's, a uh, an oat milk coffee. Um, and I keep saying it tastes like, like Yoohoo chocolate drink. Yeah. Like it's like straight chocolate milk, dude. It's, it's really good. I feel like that's the one you would, uh, you'd be all about Brant. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> crazy. And they pack 224 milligrams of caffeine per can. So that's like two Red Bulls or like two and a half cups of coffee. Like they're, they're caffeinated. Yeah. They rip. Whoa. <laughs> I I think I drink uh let me look on what's in my mix here. Uh natural caffeine from coffee bean. There you oh, go. How do you like that? Uh I got a I don't see an amount. Well, it's in there somewhere, it's, but it's not a lot. Yeah. So we recently teamed up with Joey Bags and uh he was saying like when he's like working out or whatever, he's like drinking the the canned coffee. He's like, dude, this is better than pre-workout yeah 
that was a pretty cool thing. He's like, I didn't realize that they would like juice me up the oh, way yeah. they do. And it's, it's speed, yeah. clean, clean speed. They'll get you going. <laughs> so speed. That's funny. So yeah, I mean, talking on that, I was, I wanted to ask earlier too, but forgot like, are there certain health benefits to drinking coffee in any way other than the effect you feel from caffeine? Yeah. There's a ton of like studies out there with like all the antioxidants and like, I think, you know, I've read stuff recently, more recently than not, but like of anti-aging properties. And like, since it is like the seed of a fruit, there is so many nutrients that are left behind even after the roasting. So, um, I know it helps with like, uh, like cholesterol. Um, I think French press actually is the only one that's like technically kind of bad for you. Yeah. And there's new studies coming out all the time. I mean, even just not far fetched, but out there stuff, you know, it warding off Alzheimer's and other, uh, mental degrading diseases. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of benefits. I mean, it's obviously like anything in moderation. You can't just get torqued on caffeine and expect <laughs> to feel great. I mean, I, yeah, caffeine overdose is incredibly uncomfortable. So like anything with moderation, but it's, uh, again, it comes down to like the quality of the products. It's, yeah. if you're starting with, you know, poor quality coffee and roasting it to a dark degree, I would actually argue that that has health side effects. I mean, dark roast coffee is considered carcinogenic. So it's, uh, it's not good for you. So it is like anything, there's a quality spectrum and then also just the intention that goes into it. But there's, there's tons of benefits coming out. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. The elixir of life. Interesting. I, I had a follow up to the blender, different coffees question that I forgot about too. Uh, so am I right in what you said? It seemed like you're saying to, to achieve these different like coffees, you know, you have what you start with, but then like, do you make different things based on like the heat and temperature of what you're saying? So like you can take the same start and make different things just based on how long you do the process. Yeah, there's endless variables. I mean, it's, uh, to try and sum it up, degrees matter, seconds matter when roasting. I've never worked with something where it's so like (laughs) definitive by Mm -hmm. such minuscule adjustments. So it's, yeah, everything. I mean, even pressure with, you know, atmospheric pressures are rolling in, like your beans are going to roast differently. If it's a hot day, if it's a cold day, uh, there's unlimited variables that for me, it's fun. It keeps me on my toes and every roast, even if I'm doing batch roasting of the same coffee back to back, like every batch is different. It's, uh, it's a fun industry if you're into that. Um, <laughs> if you're not, I drive you crazy yeah. because there's some variables. You oh just yeah. Control. Um, but it is a very scientific approach to understanding what variables you can control and ones you can't and working within those parameters. And I mean, it's every batch that comes out is slightly different. You know, it's, it's a craft product. Yeah. I mean, I think even like to kind of like answer what you said even more, it's like in the most broad terms, it's similar to like cooking a steak, you know, oh, like you okay. cook it different variances. So if you like go rare versus like medium rare all the way cooked, like it's going to taste different. So same thing with coffee. It's like, if you drop it at a lower temperature versus a darker or a, a higher temperature, sorry, it's going to taste different. Yeah. Uh, you can take the same coffee and like roast it, I guess, infinite different ways yeah. and it's going to taste different. Crazy. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, so, it's, a, it's a deep rabbit hole you go into once you learn <laughs> yeah, for real. These, you know, adjustments and variables and approaches. So, so that, that little thing in front of you is what. It, roasting it is what turns it brown. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. And there's, I mean, you could literally just put green beans on a cookie sheet and put them in the oven, turn them brown, but it's going to, you're going to embark negative yeah. attributes. So that's why, like, you know, having a nice roasting machine, an actual roaster is essential, but then also an operator that knows, you know, what to do with the controls and how to achieve certain results. It's a, it's an amazing process. I, again, I've been in a lot of production arenas and there's nothing compared to coffee roasting, in my opinion. Yeah, I even say like, you know, we all know like how like kind of snobby the wine world can be. Like when you think about wine, people are like, oh, like that's just kind of crazy. But like in reality, coffee is far more complex than wine. In fact, like the wine industry is starting to adopt a lot of like the grading scales and like the parameters that coffee uses because coffee is so complex. Yeah. Oh, be careful. So, Don't let any wine crazy people hear you say that. I yeah. know. But <laughs> it's so crazy. And like, I mean, you see it when you walk into like a high end coffee shop, like how, like you can see like the clientele, like mm -hmm. it's gen a lot of people where you're like, okay, like this is kind of like a wine crowd, you know, it's very like kind of uppity sometimes. And like, sometimes it's over the top. And I think, that's another big thing with traction that we try and focus on. It's like we could go around talking about how great our coffee is. A lot of roasters do, uh, but we don't want to be pretentious with it. We want the average person, because we are average people ourselves, to drink the coffee and be wowed by it and let the product speak for itself. Like we want to fully remove pretension from the equation here. That's important just with anything in life. Totally. It's like, I, yeah, it's. It, it, it creates a barrier to entry that makes people feel uncomfortable. And like, I even know, like I've spent nearly a decade in coffee and like, I know I walk into coffee shop and get there and I'm like, Oh man, like this is way too pretentious for me. And like, I feel almost like uneducated or something walking in there because the way you're treated or yeah. looked at. So that's, that's something we want to completely avoid because that's not cool. Yeah, that's that's good to be conscious of. And just the fact that you're conscious of it, I think, is a step ahead of some things that might just not even think about it. Totally. Definitely. Yeah, I had I mean, going back to like saying I ran that coffee company at Oscar Blues, like they were they at this point in time, they are the 16th largest beer company in the entire world, the sixth largest craft brewery. And their whole thing along the way was we have no secrets. And like, if you're pretentious, the doors that way. <laughs> and like. They have made some of the most, you know, incredible Dale's Pale Ale, their flagship beer. That was the number one selling craft beer six pack um, wow. up until years ago for a long time. And, you know, that means it's good. And they did it all without being pretentious. It was like the working man's craft beer. And I love that, man. It's that's to me is one of the most special things you can do. Um, they, they really changed kind of that stigma of craft beer from being like that hoity toity uppity thing to being like hey everybody can drink craft beer and that's kind of the same thing we would like to do with coffee so what what's next both in the immediate and the long term what do you what are your dreams goals yeah so we we just ordered a new roaster which will increase our production capacity four times um, which is going to allow us to grow immensely um, so that should be here in four to six weeks um, that's going to really change the game for us. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully allow us to grow and get some more people in here helping us and let us focus more on, you know, growing the business, growing the podcast, uh, sourcing incredible coffees, maybe opening a coffee shop, um, obviously pushing even harder with the podcast. 
based on the numbers right now, it's in the top 20% of overall listened to podcasts in the world, which is pretty freaking bizarre. Wow. How do you find that? Um, there's like different stats tools. I'll, I'll see if I'll pull or I'll send one to you. It's, okay. it's great. Dude. Um, so yeah, that was like a really special thing when that happened and yeah, continue to push with that just because it is something we're very passionate about. Um, we also have a YouTube channel that my buddy Alex who gave or is 60 years old that I was talking about earlier. Uh, he recently passed that over to me. It's called joy of bike. So we're going to start really pushing on that, putting a lot of bike focused content with a Kind of like sprinkled in traction love there. Nice. Um, excited about that. Um, yeah, just continue to like make the dream come true. And ultimately, hey, the goal of traction, I think, is that I've, I've kind of said this from the beginning is to kind of be like the Red Bull replacement. We want to be the energy drink replacement. So, oh, there you go. The I don't know the right words for it, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Like, my so I, I know the guy who started Liquid Death and. I was talking to him last at the end of last year, we were at a skate park together and he was saying like, he was so just like over the energy drink world because he's like, they prey on all these industries, you know, like the stuff we really are passionate about, the stuff that we have immersed ourselves in the stuff that we hurt ourselves for. Cause we're so passionate about, but none of the people who are at the helm, uh, from CEOs to being on the board, like none of those people are part of these lifestyles. Right. So Mike, the guy who started Liquid Death, like he challenged all the the CEOs of all the top energy drink companies to a game of skate, <laughs> more as like a publicity stunt. But like I love that idea of like, okay, well we are passionate about alternative sports and we are passionate about BMX. So like, why should we not do our best to integrate ourselves as deeply as we can to become? you know, a Red Bull-esque company, um, which is the goal with like media and different stuff like that and uh, continue to give back to the people in the sport. And like we're starting to slowly identify different athletes to work with and things like that. And like, yeah, we are still very small. And like I said earlier, I was a one-man show up until Ricky here um, for the last year and a half. I had some, some partners a few years ago and stuff, but yeah, we're still small, but as we grow, we want to make sure that we can put on events where people are getting paid good money, pay athletes where they're getting paid, you know, energy drink money. And that's, that is the goal. That's, and, and if nothing else, you're just helping that many more people, which, and, and that's the, the best thing of all of it is that it, it can and will all exist, you know, yep. just cause you're saying you're trying to be that Red Bull-esque company doesn't mean that like someone who wants that doesn't also get to go for that opportunity. It's just another avenue for somebody to go through to where there's these people in BMX who rightly should just, they're so incredible and talented that they should just never have to work a job. So being able to help those people and give another avenue for that is more opportunity, right? Like, I mean, you hear it like from people like, like Dak or, uh, Nathan Williams, where they've talked about like they didn't want the energy drink sponsors because like, you know, they took them, but like they didn't want them because like they don't drink it because, right. you know, the health reasons. And like there's so many people out there that have turned that stuff down over the years because they don't consume the product. And yeah, for us to be able to create something that is, you know, by nature organic, it's a natural product. The caffeine's naturally occurring. Like this is literally coffee and water. Like it's, so simple and yeah. it's going to fuel you better than 
an energy drink. So being able to offer that and hopefully at some point be able to offer salaries to people that we're not only a big fan of, but like we would love to see not have to go to that nine to five job. Like that's, that's the goal. Hopefully one day. That's amazing, man. Hell yeah. So, uh, if people wanted to learn more or check out everything that you guys have going on, where, where do they do that at? Uh, the Instagram's usually the best spot. Um, it's just at traction coffee. Um, I'm on there posting stories all the time, just talking nonsense, just sharing about the coffees we have coming out or events we have going on, um, or just updating with what's going on within the company. Um, like I said, our values are very, or to be very transparent and not have any secrets. If you ever have questions about coffee, you can message myself on my Instagram. It's just Mike Murphy. You can message Ricky at his Instagrams. It's just Ricky. Up and yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. Or just on traction. traction. So, yeah. Yeah. We're always fully open, fully transparent. If you just want to say hi, that's what I always tell people. Just send us a message like we're normal freaking people. Yeah. So. We're, we're stoked on the shout outs or inquiries or just, I mean, yeah, like we love getting, uh, when people reach out or ask questions about anything, coffee related, bike related. Yeah. Just stay, stay tuned for like more events. You know, like that's the biggest thing. Like as we're getting into summer here in Colorado, it's, it's been crazy. It's been raining literally nonstop for the last three months, which never happened. So we haven't really like even put any effort into planning events, but, uh, we're getting ready to start putting some to paper. And usually, you know, we're giving a couple hundred bucks away for like highest air or best whip or most stoked or whatever. And, uh, giving coffee away and just having a good old time. So keep an eye out for those type of events. Like, we love when people show up and yeah, it's super, super fun. So hopefully you can make it to one brand. Yeah, man, I'd be stoked. I would love to. What, uh, what's the next like thing that people can look forward to, whether it's, you know, like cool podcast or a new coffee coming out or anything that like is the next thing somebody should stay tuned and pay attention to be stoked for. Sure. Yeah, so uh, I think on Monday we're dropping our new Summer Blend coffee, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, we have a Brazil also coming out next week. Um, and then next Friday we're putting out a podcast with Vish, formerly uh, the filmer for Colt. Um, so that's going to be a really fun one. I had a blast talking to him, so that's a special episode. And then we have that Fast and Loose collaboration coming out, I would assume, mid-July. Um, so yeah, those are some really exciting things. And then... Like I said, we have these cans. We're getting ready to restock the oat milk version. That should be here in the next two to three weeks as well. So, And if you're local to the Colorado area, we're planning to do a big uh, session probably at Sandstone Park down the road, and then we're going to do a release party here after that session. Um, so we'll have music, drinks, all kinds of fun stuff going on. So Nice. And if somebody wanted to buy this new blend next week, where or the the cans or anything like that where do they do it uh just www.traction.coffee dude that's so sick dot coffee when you sent me your email it's like no way he's got dot coffee <laughs> isn't that cool yeah the the amount of times that i've like told people like my email address over the phone or something and then they're like dot com and i'm like no it's just dot coffee and like it's funny, even some like websites don't allow that domain, like oh. that subdomain. So I still have, I have like tractioncopyroasters.com as well, but traction.coffee is just, to me, is like such an iconic, cool thing. So yeah. Sick. Well, fellas, I appreciate your time. Likewise, man. This was awesome. And uh, I hope I can see you in soon.
yeah yeah let's make, make it that out happen. here Brian. yes all right well, i'm gonna i'm gonna try my best to make that happen everybody if you drink coffee support them and uh that yeah. man thanks for tuning in everybody we'll see you tomorrow yeah yeah Cheers. this was a treat thank you so much